All right. Hello and welcome, 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 everybody. We are so happy that you're here for our special edition Solstice panel. It's just wonderful to be gathering together as a community to talk about this very, very auspicious, potent moment that we are about to embark upon. Um, so if you're looking for insights on why the upcoming solstice and eclipse is so significant, if you're curious about the transits that we'll be experiencing for the rest of the year and the implications of those transits for your life and for the world, if you'd like to get an understanding of how much longer we can expect this intensity to play out, and if you'd like to get insights on how to most effectively work with these energies so you can be a part of creating a new more harmonious reality here on earth, then you, my friends, are in the right place. For those of you who don't know me, my name's Amanda Poole-Walsh, and I'm the founder of Astrology Hub. And for those of you who are new to Astrology Hub, welcome. We are so happy that you found us. We're so happy that you're here. And I'm just going to give you a tiny little brief description of Astrology Hub and the work that we do here. We are dedicated to bringing high-quality astrology to you in a way that is useful and easy to understand, but mainly that it's useful in your life. I started Astrology Hub five years ago when I was going through a very significant period of quote unquote breakdown and or transformation. And astrology became a lifeline for me, a true anchor throughout that really chaotic time in my life. And so I'm thrilled to be able to share the wisdom of astrology with all of you here. And especially happy to be able to introduce you to some of these extraordinarily skilled translators of what I love to call the language of light. And these are the astrology, uh, many of those astrologers that you'll meet here today. So we have an action-packed event planned for you today. The astrologers that you, you're going to hear from are teachers in our Inner Circle membership community. More on the Inner Circle later. These astrologers are some of the best in the field with various backgrounds, so you're going to get a very hub-like experience today featuring multiple perspectives. I'm going to bring all the astrologers on here in just a moment. We've been backstage. Everybody's so excited to connect with you. But before I do, I'd like to talk through some of the logistics of the event so you can just sink in and be ready to receive um, the guidance that they have prepared for you. So we've prepared some questions for the astrologers that I'll ask them for about the first 45 minutes of this event. And then I've gathered some questions from our Inner Circle members, and we'll answer some of those really amazing questions next. All the questions are relevant to everybody. So we're, we've focused on questions that everybody's going to get something from. We will not be able to answer specific or personal chart questions. So if you have very specific questions about your chart and how these energies are impacting your chart specifically, we won't be able to answer those. Although I know the astrologers will give us general sense for signs that will be most effective, affected by different transits. But if you do have personal chart questions, those are always best for astrology readings and or for our inner circle members. A lot of times they post uh, chart questions and help each other with those kinds of things. And we're going to be here together for about 90 minutes. If you are watching this on social media and you didn't register for the event, you'll want to make sure and register even now because then we'll know to send you the recording. So go to astrologyhub.com slash solstice and register now if you're watching on social media and you didn't actually register for this event, just if you want to receive the recording for the event. So that's astrologyhub.com slash solstice. Okay. 
This event officially kicks off our open enrollment period for our Inner Circle membership. You can find out more about the Inner Circle by going to astrologyhub.com slash inner circle. I know many of you have been eagerly awaiting our open enrollment period, and so it's official. Enrollment is now open. You can jump into the Inner Circle now. We only open enrollment a couple times a year because we like to really keep it a nice safe container for everybody. So we open the doors, we get to welcome in a whole new group, and then we close it for the work that we're doing as astrology students together. So if you'd like to check it out, go to astrologyhub.com slash inner circle. The astrologers that you're meeting today are the upcoming teachers for the inner circle. So if you like what they have to say, if you like their style, then you may want to consider joining us for the rest of the year. Okay, let's bring on the astrologers. I'd love to introduce you to all of them now. So um, astrologer and wellness coach, Sasha Benedetti, um, shamanic astrologer, storyteller, and astronomy expert, Gemini Brett, personal growth consultant, astrologer, and Reiki master, Linda Berg, author, writer, and creator of Ruling Planets, Christopher Renstrom, doctor and popular YouTube astrologer, Stormy Grace, and shamanic astrologer and co-founder of Venus Alchemy, Tammy Brunk astrologer, women's coach, and writer for Well and Good, Jennifer Rassiopi. All right. Thank you so much for being here. We are so happy that you're here. And I'd love at this point to dive into some of the questions. Um, and just a reminder to all of you, if you do have questions throughout, we are going to have a general Q&A segment at the end. So please write them in the chat, and we're going to be noting questions as we go along. So any questions that you have. And if you have a question for a specific astrologer, please note that when you ask the question. So this first question, the big question, everybody's going to answer. So the question is, what planetary alignments make this solstice special and how can we make the most of it? So um, let's begin with Sasha. Wow. First. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, there's so much about this particular solstice followed by the eclipse that is special and powerful. And I'm really excited to hear the other astrologers. What I have been feeling so clearly and perceiving in the star wisdom is this call to the return of the, the feminine energy on the planet. So we have this zero degree uh, solar eclipse, a ring of fire eclipse at, at Cancer. And so this energy of protecting and nurturing and what we might call the great mother energy is very present right now. And that is something that every human can feel. It's not gender specific. It's, it's the way that we care for those that are more vulnerable. It's how we nurture. It's how we become emotionally um, aware of ourselves is through this Cancerian nature, through sensitizing ourselves to the failing realm. And so this is a very powerful emphasis because of the eclipse and because of the astrology that we're in right now, where it feels like there's such a call to bring forth this ability that we all have as humans to care for one another at a different level than we have been. So we're really, I mean, the larger view, as far as I see it, we are in the eye of the needle coming into the age of Aquarius. That's the larger picture. And so this moment is like this potent opening of this next six-month creation where we're envisioning the new world 
by what we do. So in the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, everything that we do on a solar eclipse, I'm a, a longtime student of Buddhism, is amplified hundreds of thousands of times, every thought, every word, every action. So there's a lot of care taken around eclipses, especially solar eclipses, because they're so potent as far as this amplification. And so it's such an opportunity for us to really align, because not only do we have this incredible cancer energy coming in with the sun being in the sign of the mother, but we also have Venus, who's just reborn as morning star, and she's she's starting a new cycle. She's starting a new story. She's beginning a new eight-year pattern that is picking up from when she crossed the face of the sun in 2012, which was in some ways the, the threshold of what got us here now. It was the beginning of this transformational time that we're in. We're in that next eight-year cycle where we're really looking at how do we create a new kind of humanity? How do we re-envision culture? And it's such a time where I keep referring back to actually Gary Caton's, the way he summed that up, the rise of the exiles. You know, it's really this time when those have been at the fringe, the outliers, the exiles, the, the ones have not been in, in necessarily the mainstream thinking or in the box. It's time for their voices to be heard. It's time for us to include these perspectives. And so there's so much power in really needing this moment in a way that has openness and curiosity, that we could actually get more interested in changing our conversations around race, which is already happening. So, so many conversations are opening up about racial inequity, about the police state in this country, and also to extend that to every topic of gender inequity and class issues, but that we could actually do it in this Gemini way. We could actually, you know, have a connection that feels good. You know, we're really, we're really leaving behind the, the South Node being in Sagittarius, which is more that right and wrong, righteousness, my way, you know, it, it can be... It can lack tact and it can lack openness. It can be a closed way of meeting. We're really being invited into up level, into this level of emotional intelligence and to show up and to engage it. I want to hear your story. I want to hear the stories. I want to hear the perspectives that have been left out of the narrative because right now we are reweaving the narrative and something that is really strong and kind of the mythology of if we look at Venus as in Gemini starting this new 19-month cycle and being this, you know, sacred feminine energy that we're riding with into the, the mysteries of life, death, and rebirth during this time of transformation. If we can ride with those energies, you know, she, the, the Venus and Gemini energy is very much about playfulness and curiosity. And there's, there's a quality of rainbow about her, which is so much about diversity. And it's so much about, you know, a lot of mythologies have rainbows in them uh, around um, waking up to our full human potential and honoring all the different colors without dishonoring. So it's like, how do we align to the beauty way right now? Like that's, that's what just hit me. Is like, how do we recalibrate our hearts into this kindness so that we're really aligned to beauty? 
but without bypassing the suffering that's been happening. Because that's when it gets so alienating when people try to gloss over that and go, yeah, let's just have it be rainbows. No, that's not going to work. We need to have the conversation. We need to get real with each other about what has your experience been, you know, being black in America, being a woman in this culture, being, you know, whatever it is, whatever those conversations are, and to actually have them in the spirit of kin, you know, like we would have a a conversation with a good friend, like we'd have a conversation with a, a close family member, like that, that sense of kinship, like here we are, we're creating the new vision of humanity together. And how do we engage in a way that has that invitation to share and to really listen and to really open to other perspectives? So the other piece that I'll say, and I kind of didn't totally ground it into um, all the astrology on that day. There's so much, but the uh, Venus is making a sextile with uh, Black Moon Lilith Point, and that is in Aries. And it really brought to mind like an emphasis on this exile and what has been exiled in our culture. Thank you very much for pulling that up. Yeah, so Venus is at five degrees Gemini. She's still retrograde. So we're still recalibrating. We're going to have the meetup with Venus and the first meetup with Venus and the moon in the morning sky on Friday. And it really feels like this chance to drop into that, like, how am I calibrating my heart for this whole next 19 months, including this very potent crossover, um, you know, that we're moving into this winter with the, with the next solstice. And to have the, the Lilith point, which is the, you know, such an archetype of the exile, Lilith being the, the first woman and really claiming her sovereignty And I've just been thinking about how this energy of Aries and Lilith and Aries and is this primal sexuality and sacred sexuality, really, like this life force. And Venus being in the morning sky is very bold and primal in that same way. Like it kind of has an Aries feel to it, especially because she's rising with Aldebaran. It's a very strong signature. What are we going to do with that vitality? You know, are we going to make love or are we going to make war? You know, and it feels like that's really a theme right now in how do we calibrate under these really intense skies how do we calibrate into what our heart's intention is and how are we going to engage with others in new, a new level of emotional intelligence by learning to listen, learning to listen to multiple perspectives and um, being willing to share vulnerably what our perspective is as we move forward into this very intense six months that we're all going to be speaking to. So the other piece I'll just say, um, you know, coming down the line is just that Mars is also very soon after this time going to also be going into Aries. So we're going to be circling back to that question of what are we going to do with that primal energy? And we know what's happened historically. That kind of energy has been used to dominate. And we're in this time where the, the Capricorn energies are deconstructing the dominator culture. And we have one more eclipse in Cancer, which is happening, you know, on, on the um, solstice. And then we have one more eclipse in Capricorn. So we're really finishing up that whole eclipse cycle that is about deconstructing this dominator culture and opening to a culture of care and connection um, with that cancer energy. And it's very, very highlighted at that zero degree cancer point that we're going to be entering into 
um, this coming weekend. Hey, awesome. Sasha, thank you so much. I know there was a lot covered there. So um, I'd love to go next to Christopher and see what you'd like to add to uh, this solstice eclipse and why is it, why is it significant and what can we do with it? Well, it's, it's the last of the eclipses that have been taking uh, place in Capricorn and Cancer. Um, but actually, I sort of wanted to give some background context so we don't uh, really need the chart at this point, Brett, thanks. And the message that I wanted to sort of share with everyone today um, is that we have been here before. A lot of times people are feeling or expressing this feeling like this is the first time this has ever happened. What's going on? How long is this going to last? You know, just, and, and what I'm talking about basically here is the general cosmic climate of what's going on in the planets above. As astrologers, we spend as much time in the past as we do in the future. A lot of times we kind of spend more time in the past maybe than in the future. And what we're doing is that we're going to, um, we're, we're going to see where the planets have been here before. The planets are in constant orbit, so it's a constant revolution. That was actually the original meaning of revolution before it became associated with overthrow in the English language in the mid-1600s. But the idea of revolution was a complete orbit of a planet around, around the sun, which again is the early 1600s when Galileo posts his theory and all that sort of stuff. But anyhow, 30 years ago, we've been here before. 30 years ago, we were here with Saturn and Capricorn, you know, and we're winding up the stay here. And uh, 30 years ago, uh, we didn't have Pluto and Capricorn, but we did have Uranus and we did have Neptune and we did have Mars and Aries going retrograde and forming a long square. So when we look at what's going on right now in terms of the large picture, we have to remember a couple of things. Uh, first of all, we've been here before. Second of all, Saturn's stay doesn't end when it goes into Aquarius. We need to remember that Saturn owns or rules both Capricorn and Aquarius. So essentially what was a two or two and a half year period extends to four years. Okay. So we're, we're actually dealing with that big chunk of time. And what I wanted to do, um, what I like to do as an astrologer, when I go back to look is like, what themes are going on that, you know, at that time that, that are similar to what's going on right now? And are they connected in any sort of way? And so by going back, um, you know, I found that uh, Saturn first entered Capricorn in February uh, 1988. It was followed by Uranus, the planet of revolution and change, just a few days later. Okay, so these were the two planets that were kind of like dictating the script. They were, they were traveling alongside each other. Okay, um, Neptune had already been in Capricorn for about four years. Okay, uh, they retrograde back and they come back into Capricorn uh, formally. Uh, Saturn and Uranus in November 1988 followed a couple of weeks later by Uranus. So when we go and sort of rope off the period of November 1988 to January 1994, okay, the reason I'm doing this is because this is the last time Saturn was in Capricorn and Aquarius, the two signs that it rules. We have the Tiananmen Square in the spring of 1989, which peaks in June of 1989 when it is repressed. If you've been following news in Hong Kong, that's what was invoked. Uh, just recently, as the uh, 30th anniversary of that event. The Berlin Wall falls in November 1991. The Soviet Union is dissolved in December 26, 1991. 
The Rodney King riots in Los Angeles are April to May of 1992. Apartheid in South Africa ends in the period of 1990 to 1994. Indeed, Nelson Mandela walks free on February 11th, 1990, after 27 years in prison, that's a Saturn return, uh, to lead the anti-apartheid movement. Um, in addition, on June 2nd, 1992, Jeremy Irons appeared at the Tony Awards in New York City, wearing a red ribbon signaling his solidarity with people living with HIV AIDS. And it was nationally televised for the first time, that image. And that image of the red ribbon then translates to the pink ribbon, which first appears in 1992 as part of the breast cancer movement. Both of these move movements create a demand to speed up trials for experimental drug treatments and to make medication available and affordable. The reason I pick up on this is that Saturn, whenever it's in a Saturn sign, is the collapse, the longstanding collapse of a government, all right? Um, and as you see, there were governments that collapsed uh, during that period of time. Uh, governments in which all of a sudden people were on the street, they had no money, they had no idea of what the future was going to bring. Um, this is throughout the entire Soviet Union during that period of time. The idea of race, really what we're addressing is colonialism and slavery really comes forth uh, very powerfully in, in the uh, South Africa uh, anti-apartheid movement uh, but also what we have in terms of the Rodney uh, King beating is that it's the first time that that's really videotaped, okay? You know, something which is now common currency with the cell phones and, and things like this. So we have that issue that's coming up. And then also, you know, when we think about coronavirus and, and, and COVID-19, you know, there's been a plague before. And at this point, 30 years ago, it was HIV AIDS that had sectioned off a part of the population, basically ostracizing that population. And it hit very powerfully people of color, um, as well as the LGBTQ community. So what I want everyone to sort of take in as an idea here is this isn't the first time. Now that doesn't mean we're all jaded and been there, done that, and we're used to it. What it testifies to is the return of the planets to a particular situation. This is what astrologers use to predict, you know, and to, to see, you know, basically is our calendar working? You know, if no government collapsed when Saturn goes through Capricorn and Aquarius, maybe something's off, you know, but, but this was the period of time when this is happening. I personally, as an astrologer, find comfort in it, you know, in knowing that A, we've gone through this before, we've been here before, and B, that we're building on the past. And I think that's a very important thing to keep in mind. You don't get to just launch a moment free of history. Your moment, your present comes out of history and your future is based on that history. And so as we move forward, as we leave these eclipses uh, in Capricorn and Cancer, as we move into the first of 200 years of Jupiter and Saturn conjunctions in air signs, the first one begins this December in Aquarius, a good thing to keep in mind is utopia. What does that mean? You know, is that an open free society for everyone or not? Uh, how the modeling of our society is going to be. But I think the most important thing, and it's kind of brought back here with the uh, eclipse in cancer, is the intimacy in your utopia. In other words, it's not gonna be so global that I'm rendered anonymous, but that vision, 
you know, of a brave new world, so to speak, begins with each one of us, you know, and it's what we bring to the table in terms of being informed of our history, the history we know, and also what we're beginning to appreciate, the history we don't know, you know, haven't really understood, maybe, uh, from different perspectives. And that this world was built on colonialism, and that's exactly the structure that is caving in right now, and this is where the pushback is coming. And what model of society uh, do we want to be living in um, moving forward? Very good. And thanks for bringing in that historical perspective, Christopher. Really helpful. Stormy, would you like to address this question? So the question we're talking about right now is, what is the significance of the upcoming solstice and eclipse? And how can we work with it most effectively? So it acts as kind of this big, this nice big vacuum of opportunity, right? The eclipses are going to continue to work in ways, especially one that is so potent at the time that we're changing seasons, to lift the veil of things that we couldn't see, especially in, in very global ways, will lift the veil of things that were not seen before. And I think back to the times when the eclipses are happening at the same time as solstice, and I think back about um, to 2001, and we had a bombing that happened, you know what I mean? And this time, as we look at this energy, I think about the idea of truth bombs. We've got a lot of truth bombs that are coming to the table for us. And this shifts everything. This creates the opening of the things we couldn't see. And sometimes it's a genuine, we couldn't see it for what it was kind of energy, not just, I didn't want to deal with it, which there's plenty of that. But on the very positive opening of this, I look at all of the things that happened after 2001, we had to have a come apart, right? But then also when I look at it now and I look at how this eclipse is happening and it's a node eclipse, we're, in, we're eclipsing with the North Node at the time that we're changing direction. That is beautiful. That is an opening and an opportunity to relook at, rewrite, reevaluate, and take some steps forward with where we'd like to go based on the veil kind of lifting. But I also think that the aspects of, you know, this eclipse being quincunx to Saturn, we've got Mercury and Neptune stationing, Venus is getting ready to station, you know, it's like, I'm ready, let's go, let's have these conversations, let's do the thing, let's see all of the things, which it's just not that way. This is a slow, low crawl that we're going to do to get there, you know what I mean? We have to be crab-like and be very indirect as we're doing this, because think about it, when is the last time you went out and just said, let's have a conversation about your race, just tell me how you feel about that. That is very indirect right now. Even in the conversations that I'm having over here with myself about what I need to reevaluate from home, I'm sneaking around the corner to that. I'll get to it and we'll get to it, you know. But at the time when we're having season change, I think it becomes so powerfully significant, not only because the veil will naturally be lifted for us, but it also gives a space of hope. There is some push-pull, some goes, some stops, some all of this that's happening, but it is a pathway forward. Without the eclipse, we just wouldn't be able to do it because we just couldn't, we just, we can't see what needs to be seen at that particular time. So I think it's significant because first of all, historically, it's on time. We're right on time with where we're supposed to be, regardless of if we like how it looks or not, right? Like I have, I didn't have either one of my children and was like, I'd like this labor to look better, you know, like, can I be better? It doesn't work that way. Like you got to go through a damn mess to have a baby and that's what it is. And then you get a baby, right? 
So in the bigger significance of this too, as I think to the next eclipse that we're going to get to, the next solar eclipse we're going to get to in December, this is the stage setter because I don't know how we come to the conversation with rigorous honesty if we haven't seen what's been living beneath the surface, right? So we have an opportunity to allow that um, Sagittarian South Node to just uncover for us and for us to give like this big drink of water that says, maybe I don't have all of the answers. That's a big position for a human being to take, to say, maybe my mind can be changed with Gemini energy. That's a big deal. The human ego is a lot, you know? And I'll just say this too. I do think as I look at all of the events that are happening astrologically around this timing as well, I do think that that Jupiter-Pluto just just not too long after, right? We get to the end of the month and I think that that dips deliberately deliciously into what we see for the next six months, because that is not only the place where I say, okay, I thought I knew some things, but not only do I not know what I thought I knew, I need a teacher, I need a guide, I need a historian, I need a helper to help me walk forward from everything I thought I knew, if I'm going to have anything different, if I'm going to die off in the way that I used to live and live different, I've got to have somebody outside of me help me see it. You know, so I think the fact that they're coming together in retrograde, they came together in April and we all thought we knew some shit and they're going to come together again and we're going to find out what we didn't know and we get to train, we get to get better, we get to die off from our past globally and personally. And that's the fresh, sexy place that we get to walk forward in some health and some healing. So it's a significant time. It's a great time to be alive. It's a trip, but I think it's a beautiful time to be alive and use what we have around us. And technology has made that possible. My teacher might not be here. Your teacher may not be right in your neighborhood. And it doesn't matter because you can't go out and see them anyways. So you can get online and have your next set of teaching, have your next set of, of healing. So that's a lot. So good. Thank you. Um, how about we go to Jennifer? Hello. I mean, it's so brilliant to hear everyone speak. And Um, I think that what I want to add to the conversation is just Saturn's position. You know, Saturn is at that critical zero degree placement that we know that the the great conjunction will happen at the end of the year and in in an in conjunct to the new moon solar eclipse. And um, just to review Saturn, where have we, what have we learned in the last three months since we've been on this Saturn and Aquarius journey, knowing that he's going to retrograde back into Capricorn and then come back into Aquarius at the end of the year. And what is Saturn and Aquarius asking us to let go of as it relates to cancer, our safety, our security? You know, I really see Saturn and Aquarius and Uranus and Taurus as a call to intersectionality, as a call to really understanding everyone's unique identity and all the different intersections of how we show up in the world through race or gender or class or, um, sexual orientation, our ability to move in our body, are we able-bodied or not? And and really starting to understand the way our government, our systems are set up for privilege. And what does that mean to really go into this transformation from earth to air, where we're going into a time of creativity and innovation? What does that mean in terms of what we have to let go of inside of ourselves, in terms of what helps us feel secure? Because it's it's not really where we're going anymore. False status isn't going to work. Our economic system is in, you know, undergoing an overhaul. Our, our earth can't sustain the colonialist, imperialist modus operandi we've been living with for so long. 
And so what do we need to do on an individual level to surrender what we're clutching to, to feel safe and secure? And then knowing that Saturn's gonna quickly move back into the Capricorn and clean up those lessons shortly after this eclipse and um, do the whole Capricorn dance with, you know, eventually will be really ignited once again by Mars. You know, I see this as a sacred moment to come into our bodies, cancer, um, to come into our emotions, cancer, to come into our hearts and look within the caverns within ourselves. Where are we not clear? What has Saturn and Aquarius taught us that we really need to get? Because this is the moment to start to attune to that. Once we get to the end of this year and into the next year, you know, I, I really think that we're going to see in a lot of ways a coming together and a lot of ways a, a spotlight on where we've done the work and where we haven't around being willing to share resources, be creative, drop status symbols as a, as a right to belong, come into a, uh, a more Aquarian way, way of being. And a lot of that has to come down to the resources and hoarding. And I think that, you know, that's difficult to address. It's difficult to address privilege. It's difficult to address status. It's and it's so necessary. And I think the last thing I want to say on this is that what I'm really working on in my own life, what I'm working on in my own spiritual journey and is really coming into my work is that there's a whole historical lens to our ancestors that needs to be healed. Like family dynamics, certainly, but certainly how our family has operated in a culture. Like we're our family colonialists. Where, you know, where we, do we have epigenetic lines that link back to slavery? Are we still in trauma around that? And what do we need to heal around making, so we can make this jump from earth into air, into community collaboration, shared resources, because a lot of that's still in our bodies. You know, we, we carry on the legacy of our family in so many ways, whether we want to or not, and being really honest about um, those patterns and the historical lens. And I think that this is an awesome eclipse to set a new tone for what your, what your legacy is and how you are bringing redemption to your family line and or um, really speaking to pain that's been historically repressed and suppressed without the ability to be seen or heard. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, Gemini Brett. So, uh, so beautifully said, and I could just feed off of all of these things forever. It's wonderful to be invited to this panel. Um, my video has dropped out a few times, so if that happens, um, please move along. Um, so I guess one of the things we could mention that this eclipse features is Mercury retrograde. Um, and so an opportunity to look back. I mean, I, as Jennifer was saying, I think we need some cleanup in, in the aisle of the lineage um, and also as humanity in general. Um, I see a lot of call for an archaic revival in the words of Terence McKenna. We're not going to release ourselves from a technological age. That's part of like the Dharma of our incarnation, but how we can be um, wise stewards of these creations rather than just letting it get out of control. So we heard a lot of um, descriptions of technology and the gift, you know, being able to connect like this is a really amazing thing. And of course, it's also a double edged sword because the more we connect in this way, it seems the less we can connect in a way where we can actually feel shelter. And, you know, that's such a key word right now. It's going to be like the driving word for this next month in the inner circle as I'm the guide. We have two cancer new moons this year. So really coming into that place, what is the shell? 
what is shelter, right? And I mean, shelter in place is a kind of ridiculous oxymoron, but um, that's a really key question for us right now. And I think we're seeing it asked in the world without, and it's also necessary for us to ask this in the world within. Um, unlike Stormy, I haven't given birth to children before. I'm actually not even equipped to, um, but I do understand that um, Lamas and such can help. So as we're going through these um, these preparations to give birth to a new world, being in our practices, you know, coming back to what it is, finding this moment now. So, you know, Christopher, I, I love invokes this truth that astrologers are so often like deep in the past or like ages in the future. And it's hard not to follow this beautiful craft like way out into space and away from the moment now so but as we invoke the truth of revolutions and see this kind of cyclical essence of time we're going back and we're going for it to bring more presence to right here and that's astrology as a way in and that is what is most necessary at this time so i want to speak a little bit about revolutions and then very quickly about why I've been calling this coming eclipse the most powerful astronomical alignment of our day and age. So there's a lot to see in the chart, but I'm actually going to go to um, another place. First, this is the eclipse path. It's an annular eclipse, which we can see in the chart for those of you astrology students. It's hard to say why, because the new moon is so close to the node. And I think that kind of separation of Cancer and Gemini is a very interesting exploration here. I don't have time to go there today. But this square to Lilith tells us that the moon is too far from Earth to occult the entire solar disk. And so we get the ring of fire. We get the halo. We get this corona, if you will, of light. And this is the eclipse path. As you can see, it moves through China. But I think really importantly, it's right over Mount Kailash. It's right over the sacred mountain. It's right over Tibet. It's right over this place where many, you know, maybe for their spiritual tradition were kicked away from their land. And so again, this idea of shelter, and I think sheltering into our spiritual tradition is a really important theme here. I want to show you this eclipse in the sky, and this is looking from Kathmandu. This is looking from Tibet. Uh, using Stellarium astronomy software. Can I just ask, does everyone see this moon and sun thing on the screen? Okay, cool. So the moon occults the sun. It's an amazing thing when this happens. It's not incredibly rare. We are in a triple eclipse season, which I think in and of itself is very interesting, where we had a very partial, what's called a penumbral lunar eclipse, and now this ring of fire solar eclipse, and then in a couple of weeks, another penumbral lunar eclipse. And anytime that happens, it's like a passing of the baton. It's in, Jennifer is going to speak to the inner circle about eclipse cycles in December. But when this happens, it's the very end of one eclipse cycle that's been around for a long time. In this case, since the year 830 and the opening of another cycle that's kind of coming to take its place or take that baton. And so even there we see this truth of transformation, of transition. I think very importantly, um, as we've been saying, we and we've been hearing from the elders, we are the ones we've been waiting for. The avatar for the new age is us. And what came through last time Amanda and I were speaking about this was um, 
that it's not the new earth that will give birth to the new earthling, it's the new earthling that will give birth to the new earth. And so we need to be true to the teachings we have received, to our walk, to our way, and consciously breathe in um, this new reality. What do we want to see? So revolution, yes, but revolution without revelation can be so misguided, and we can end up fighting for the very thing we think we are fighting against, which historically seems to be the theme of every revolution ever. We have to be really careful right now of like mob reality and mob rule and manipulation and media and that, right? So being true and like centered in purpose and also really strongly centered in the accurate vision of what will be. But we're also in a time where trying to figure this thing out with the mind is not going to work. It has to happen with more of the human facility with with soul with body and especially with heart and in community in village i'll be speaking this month in the inner circle lunation that i'm guiding in the idea of village building and how can we plant those seeds even online but then how can we come together and do this in person so i mean it's an amazing thing right now after everybody was so separated but then felt very together because afraid of the same thing. And now really coming together to face separation. It's an intriguing happening. And it has been prophesized, okay? So quickly, this eclipse, you can see it's right here in the Milky Way. There's two places in the sky where the Milky Way, the galactic plane, crosses this curve is called the ecliptic. It's the plane of our solar system. This is one of the galactic crosses. And so this eclipse is on the galactic cross. And very importantly, that's like an acupuncture point of something that's been happening for some time, which is this is the cancer point there on the galactic cross. So we are in about a 50-year window where this, Gaia's spine, her northern axis, which leans towards zero cancer, always, forever. That's the truth of the tropical zodiac. It is a function of the directions, and it is tied to, as I like to say, Gaia's spine or our world tree. And that place traces a huge circle through the sky in a period of about 26,000 years, and we are at a time now from the window I use is 1975 to 2025, where that north point is pointing to that galactic cross so that in the northern hemisphere we're experiencing these summer solstices, the height of the light, the glory of the king, to use old poetic expression, on that galactic cross. And this place of the sky is a very sacred place that the Lakota actually called the sacred hoop. It exists between these stars, and we're told it's where our souls come from by the Lakota, Dakota, and Dakota people, and also where we will move through in times of transition to be purified. So this is a 50-year window, but what makes this moment so intriguing and important is we have an eclipse activating that, right? And the eclipse, what is it? Very clearly, shadow out of light. Um, Sasha was talking about seeing things that we can't see. I always feel like a great metaphor for the eclipse is you go into the blacklit club, you see that your shirt has all these stains on it you had no idea about in the normal light, 
And now it's up to you because the eclipse isn't going to last for long. Are you going to wash that shirt? Or are you going to keep wearing those stains because nobody can see them anyway? <laughs> like once you know, right, it's your choice, your opportunity to do some purification. And this is something literally 26,000 years. And what I've been showing, and you can see the um, podcast that Amanda and I recorded recently, or there's a movie on my website you can see, but there were very significant eclipses here. This one this week, 1982 and 2001, the eclipse before the 9-11 event. For me, that was, of course, a time when the entire world changed. And it's time for us to change the world consciously this time. I'm very optimistic to see that it's happening, uh, that many people are expressing their energy and their angst and they're ready for change. And it's my prayer um, to, in my own world, and as much as I can contribute in the world without, to make sure that I'm purposefully grounded so that I can experience and steer that in a positive way. Thank you, Gemini Brett. All right, so just um, two more answering this question. So Linda Bird, this, the question that we're answering right now is about the solstice eclipse. Why is it so significant and how can we most effectively work with it? Well, there's a lot of different things going on, as everybody has said. I think the one that's standing out for me is that this is happening on a world axis in cancer. And it's just, it's occurring to me that because of technology and so, technology and so forth, we're being really introduced or becoming consciously aware of the family of man. It's not that we're just individuals. We're part of something so much greater. And also something unusual about this is that we have five planets, almost six, because uh, Neptune is about stationed, and these planets in retrograde, and this way that we have been locked down, the opportunity it's given us is to really go inside and kind of reassess our lives. We've gotten off the merry-go-round of everyday stuff, and, and for a lot of us, we've done a lot of soul-searching as what is important. And I kind of think that's why this whole recent um, event with, with um, George Floyd has touched all of us because he represents humanity to us. We all felt that. And I don't know if that would have happened if we we're all in this crazy, you know, busyness. And so that this whole time of this, the world access being, it's starting something new. And I think as Gemini Brett said, it's really being able to do this from a very conscious place. Because as we're aware, we, we live in a quantum universe and that we are, free will allows us to create something so much better. So yes, we look at our past and we look at what's gone on, but we're evolving. And so my hope is that humanity will take the time to really use this energy to, to put out love and compassion and and to really feed the morphic field with the positive of what we can create from this. Because if we create from fear, which is kind of the normal thing, and be perfectly logical, we'll get more of the same. Mm -hmm. And I think this is a real big opportunity for us to really go inside, to meditate, to evaluate our lives and what can I contribute and what is important to me. And I think that this is... Um, the whole thing that Sasha said about the feminine rising, I think that this is, we have Eris, a big player in this whole year with breaking things up. 
And also Sedna is trining the, the Capricorn planets. And so this is about evolutionary growth. It's the path of the soul that's opened up. And we can really use this time to not only make our personal lives better, but to make life better for everybody on the planet and everything on the planet and our planet. So I don't think this whole pandemic thing, in some ways I think is quite beautiful because it stopped the whole world and it made everybody realize that we are all connected. And when I was a little girl, I used to think that if we were, if a Martian came and they were aggressive, then it would unite humanity. Because I was thinking, what would unite humanity? And today we know it's a virus that really put us all on the same page. And I think that this whole time of retrogression with these all these, all these planets saying, go back, relook. It's like a second chance to really make a difference for how our future unfolds and, and that we can, it gives me great hope that we, we can make a difference. Each one of us is feeding the morphic field with our energy. So, um, yeah, there's a whole lot of other things, but I'll leave it at that. Thank you, Linda. Okay, Tammy. So I just have been taking all of this in also, and there's just so much that's already been covered. But the piece that just always, that keeps coming back for me is this intersection between the um, the zero point of cancer and the 29 Gemini and and those energies together that are so deeply activated and I so agree with Sasha. Um, I've been feeling that in my body just the last week, that it's this coming home. It's this return to the great mother that is being activated and everything that comes with that. And part of what comes with that is this kind of reactivation of womb wisdom within men and women both. And this, and, and what had been coming to me so much over this last year, um, even in the fall, was that this, what we're doing now is a collective soul retrieval. And there's something about that becoming much more embodied, becoming much more fully presenced in um, these activations that I think many of us, we've been in circumstances over the last several months where it might be quite difficult to stay embodied. It might be quite difficult to stay fully centered and fully um, grounded. But I think many of us are gathering the tools and the capacities, even in the face of change, to maintain that. And so when we connect to that kind of mothering force, when we connect to that, that embodied wisdom that lives in men and women both, then we, we do find what I've been seeing and feeling is we find that kind of that deeper soul voice that supports us in finding what our place is in this whole unfolding story. Um, and because as so many are speaking to, there is such a great need for us to continue to come home again and again to ourselves. Feels like we have been a very dissociative culture for various reasons for a long time. And so what I've seen so much in this conversation about race that's been arising that's so incredibly important um, is that it has to do with healing at the somatic level. And whether that's through using ancestral healing practices whether that's for many of us to slow down enough to actually become, to begin listening to voices we haven't listened to and taking that information into our bodies, into our hearts, and not just through the mind. Um, something's happening for many of us where we're, we, are, we are changing so rapidly at the soul level. And it, it feels to me like what's been happening with all of the Gemini energies that have been at play with Venus and Gemini retrograde, 
um, and all of and with North Node and Gemini is that we have been scrambled. We have been turned upside down. We've been turned every which way. What's true? What's not true? Um, and you know what's left? What's right? All of this polarization that we've been seeing and feeling, like all of these voices shouting outside of our heads. We have been learning again and again to return to center. We've been returning again and again to return to our bodies, to our hearts, to our wombs. Um, and we've been practicing that. We've been cultivating that practice so that we can truly, the, the piece that keeps coming alive for me with this Venus morning star rise, which happens so close to this eclipse, is that it's so much about waking us up to this child mind. It's like we're being reset to this, to the fool and the tarot or to the, the, the newborn child that needs to be able to look at everything completely fresh, absolutely fresh. And a big piece of what I think is, is happening inside of us is that we've been told a big lie and, and that is that we can't trust each other. There are so many ways that we've been told that human beings are in, in and of their nature not to be trusted, that if we're left to our own devices, that we don't know how to um, take care of each other. And I think one story that's so essential about that, we think about how in grade school or high school, we always read the book, Lord of the Flies, right? Like that's how we're trained to think about what would happen to us if we didn't have all these structures of authority to keep us in charge or in, in balance and in check and our animal natures, you know, our instinctual natures in check. And I was so blown away to see that that story, there was a true story that that, that book was based on. And in the, in the real story, something very different happened. Those boys actually created a little culture and they took care of each other. And that's the story that hasn't been told. And I think that that's what this awakening of, of the, the mother consciousness in all of us is this original wisdom that we have the capacity to to care for each other, that that is our innate nature. And part of how we get there, as Brett and as many have said, is to, is to do this kind of simultaneous dance of continuing whatever spiritual practice we have, whatever helps us get still and centered and hear that deeper voice, that deeper wisdom, so that we can make out what our voice is in the crowd because there's so much that can pull us outward. And when we're just out here, we simply can't respond. So it's to do that deeper inner work and come home to ourselves. And then it's to continue to reach outward and to whether that's, and that's the people in our immediate environment. And if we're not with people we have a strong resonance with to absolutely be sure that we create that tribe around us, that village until we can be with each other. Um, but also we are opening our hearts to the rest of humanity. And we're recognizing that we have been told a big lie. And, and I think, it's so essential, and I'll talk more about this when we talk about Jupiter and Pluto, but it's so essential for us to continue to interweave the light and the shadow. You know, be willing to look at systemic racism and what it's doing in our communities and what it does in our psyches. Titrate that. Take in as much as you can experience in your body and not go out of body. And then also remember to look at the stories that are very vivid and very visceral and very real that help us know what's possible in the vacuum, like many of us know about Camden, New Jersey, what's happened with policing there. And if you don't know, look it up because what's arising in the void, what's arising with all of this, this unrest are new solutions because we as human beings 
are at a level, more of us, of, of consciousness, of coming from the heart. Perhaps this is an experiment, but my sense is that we simply have to remember um, that, that we, we are not what we've been told we are. We are much greater than that. We are so much greater. And I think this eclipse gives us an opportunity to really um, drop into that. Wow. Powerful, you guys. Okay, that was just the first question. But there was so much that came out in that first question. I just wanted to just do a few highlights from each one of you before we go on to the next question. So Sasha talked about how do we align to the beauty, align to the beauty way without bypassing the pain. You talked about welcoming new perspectives and calibrating into our heart's intention. Uh, Christopher brought home the point that we've been here, we've got through it, and that we are building towards something. Jennifer talked about um, asking questions about what we've learned so far. What, what do we really need to get through this time? And so that we can set a new tone for our legacy. Gemini Brett talked about being wise stewards of technology and that we can't have a revolution without revelation, and that the importance of this event is its alignment with the, the eclipse in the Milky Way on the Galactic Cross, which there's lots of really amazing things about that. Linda talked about the eclipse on the world point, starting something new, taking the time to use our energy to put out love and compassion and feed the morphic field with those instead of feeding the morphic field with fear. And Tammy is talking about... Um, I mean, everybody talked about a lot of things. These are just some highlights. The reactivation of womb wisdom and this uh, collective soul retrieval that we're experiencing, finding a deeper place, coming home to self, and that we've been told a big lie, that we can't trust each other and that we don't take care of each other and we won't take care of each other. So uh, we are not what we think we are. We are so much more than that. So thank you all for these messages that are so, they're grounded in the astrology and filled with hope and filled with inspiration for all of us during this time. Also underscoring the importance of this um, solstice and eclipse that's happening on Saturday. So helping us get ready and prepared for that. Okay, so the next question is about what's coming. So when we look through to the end of 2020, um, what are the next most important transits and why? So um, are gonna, the first question was the only one that everyone is, was gonna answer. For this one, what are the most significant upcoming transits and why? Let's start with you, Stormy. Okay. Stormy, I didn't do your recap. I'm so sorry. Um, truth bombs. Stormy talked about truth bombs and rewriting and taking steps forward based on the lifting of the veil. So this is a time of truth bombs and rewriting and taking steps forward based on the lifting of the veil. All right. Yes. So let's start with you for what's coming next. Okay. Awesome. So just coming just after, I don't think there's anything that is insignificant, but we will have Neptune station direct or retrograde, excuse me, which will be um, equally important. You know, Venus will station direct. Uh, Mars will enter Aries and be there for quite some time. We're going to have a long stay of Mars very comfortable in that sign. So there's a lot of work that's going to be able to be done. There's a lot of fear, I think, that is available to be tackled with that particular set of energy. Um, and then we will have Jupiter-Pluto conjunct to end out just June as we're here. And they will conjunct this time at 24 degrees of Capricorn, but they're both retrograde this time. So it takes us back to some things that we were looking at. We were experiencing already in April, but I also think it is a delicious time as we end um, the month 
to really get clear on on where we need to continue our study, where we're we're not what we were told and we are not what we thought we were. I think that that particular um, conjunction coming to this coming together at that time is really revealing for each of us in what am I doing? What am I, where am I trying to go? Where am I trying to get to? What's my motive? Not my intention, right? My intention can be pretty shady and I can actually hide a really terrible motive underneath an intention. So what's my real motive? What am I here to put out? The other thing though, that that particular conjunction to end June brings to the table for me is this idea of looking at things honestly of where I'm not and then being prepared to step into accountability because I can go through all the labor and have the baby, but if I don't have the stature on the other side to care for that kid, um, I'm going to have some challenges, right? So where in in my personal life do I have to be accountable for what I've seen and the changes that are going to come and where do I get the help to be able to do that? But then also on a, on a global scale and in, in some of the conversations that we're having, it's like, where do I have to be accountable there too, right? If I'm not what I was told that I was, where do I have to step up and get in the game? I think that that is a beautiful conjunction that brings that reality um, to the table. But we need a little homework that comes with that. It's a nice study aspect, I think. So, you know, to end June, those are the big ones that I think are, are on my radar. But we go into July, and I also think that Chiron taking his retrograde is going to be significant, and it's going to be important because we get to go back into the wound, but we get to go back differently informed and hopefully prepared with a little bit more accountability of what we can do to heal forward. So I think that that is also going to be pretty significant. Of course, we've got the big ones that'll happen towards the end of the year, and I'll let the rest of everybody else jump into those. But I think that the ones that are upcoming, just as we're here in in June, to be just as close to in the now as we can be and to dig our, our feet and our essence into that and use that, right? If I'm not prepared today and I haven't done the work today, by the time I get to December, what does it matter? I'm not prepared. I can't stand with that. I can't bring anything to light if I'm just, if I haven't been in the gym lifting, there's no way I'm going to go pick up a big old barbell and get it done. You know, I'm going to be hurt and it's not sexy at all. Not to mention that truly before I know I'm like getting all excited, but even before we get there, we're going to turn this corner into 2021 with Saturn and Uranus um, bonking up in between each other. So if the work is not done, what happens is it can create a tremendous amount of change that we don't actually want. So just to even finish out June and look at those major aspects and live in that and with that, I think is important and, and critical at that time because the game's not, we're, we're not done just because we leave 2020. Now I know people are bummed because they haven't been able to put anything on their 2020 planner but it isn't over when we get to 2021. There's still work to be done. So my big focus is in, in June for now and then stepping forward. Stormy, when you say, um, I love the analogy of the gym. And so right, like right now we need to be lifting in the gym and doing the work. What specifically can people be doing right now to be ready for that December 2020 and into 2021? Yeah, I think one of the first things that we can be doing is all of the things we've kind of been forced to do, which is be at home. 
take care of home first. If your house isn't in order, you don't have anything to offer, right? Like get your home in order. And that doesn't, that is not equating to any version of perfection. It's simply what's happening with you. How is your health? How is your immunity? Are you sleeping? Are you hydrating? Are you moving your body? These are practical, grounded, everyday things that can be happening, right? In the everyday movement of, of gathering information, where are you eating from? If you're eating from a dirty dish, that's on you. But there is a lot of information that's available. Eat clean, eat for what you need, eat for your energetic balance, right? And that includes, you know, how much time am I spending on Facebook, right? And if I am on Facebook, does my Facebook life match my real life? That's a big deal. And that's a real thing that you can do, right? There are all sorts of people I don't hang with on Facebook because I'm not friends with them. I don't know you, so I don't need you over here, right? Like I make it, make it, make it match. That's a really practical thing we can do, right? Also, I think the other thing, and I've been watching it, it just in my own house, is in my own house, am I bringing us information to bring us forward? So this summer, my oldest daughter, my Sag, um, she wanted to go get her first job because she's 16 and she can, and she can't, Right? So she got a job here at home. So she is getting to step astrology forward and learn. But also, I am taking responsibility for giving her skills that she will need to take out into the world. I am getting my house in order, right? Like that's just such a big deal. It seems small, but it's not. You know, I'm a Virgo rising. So I think too, clean your house, right? Like that's that's heavy lifting. That's good stuff. Clean the house. Like really pull that freaking oven out and get back there, right? There could be something from like Christmas 82 back there and you don't even know about it. Like go get it, clean it mm -hmm. out, right? So there you go. Hopefully that makes sense. Perfect. We can work. There's a lot there for us to work with. Okay. Um, let's go to Tammy um, for the upcoming transits for us to pay attention to. All right. I love everything you were saying, Stormy. Um, so the upcoming transits I've been looking at are Jupiter and Pluto coming together because that continues to be, and as Stormy's mentioning as well, that continues to be such a big thread throughout uh, 2020. And of course, the first activation was, was April 4th, June 30th is the next one, and then November 12th is the last activation of, of Pluto, of Jupiter with Pluto. And so when we see and feel those energies come together, and when we match that as well with, I'm, I'm gonna focus also on the last hit, which is happening in November, so later in the year. Uh, and you also pair that with everything that's happening with Mars, moving into Aries and spending really the second half of the year in Aries, and then beginning and then going retrograde through much of the fall. Um, there is this need to uh, really, to get really clear on, well, first of all, <laughs> it invites us to do the deeper work still with, with Capricorn in a more conscious way that we have been doing since 2007. And so to really kind of spiritualize that, to uplift the work that we're doing with the Capricorn mysteries. And when I talk about Capricorn, part of what comes to mind for me is it feels like we're wrestling with, we're really wrestling with the old, um, the old structures, the old beliefs, and, and usually it starts on the inside of how is it that I do not, I mean, I'll just say it very simply, when I work with clients and when I see it everywhere around me, we are grappling with a, a level of self-loathing, I think, as a species. 
and as individuals. That, and this is again where I see this, this eclipse as a, as a massive reset for the remainder of the year where we get to go into this mother consciousness where our first priority is to mother ourselves, to actually come into that place of deep nurturance. And so when we're talking about, you know, there's the part that says, get your stuff together. Well, there's a lot that's out of our control. And so where that begins is really with this, this um, recognition and wrestling with that kind of predator in the mind that can be Capricorn that keeps telling us it's not enough, we should have done it differently. We're going to keep going back into that wrestling over the remainder of the year of this old Capricorn energy and, and shedding the layers. And, and again, going to child's mind, going into child's mind and saying, you know what, there's a lot I don't know, but this one thing I know. This one thing I can do, if I'm going to practice self-love, I can, if I'm going to go come from this, this nurturing, mothering place for myself, I am going to take action to take care of myself. I'm going to honor and acknowledge what I'm already doing. I'm going to practice kindness to myself first and let that then ripple out from that, that place. But it really is a place for the oxygen mask. You know, what does the mother do? She puts on the oxygen mask. And that's what each of us are, are really called to do. And so when we have all these voices out there saying, take care of me, take care of me, take care of me, take care of me, we really, the, the, the healing of the mother begins right here first. And I really want to say that to men as well, because the masculine is on the world stage just as much as the feminine is right now with all of this Martian energy. And, you know, the men, men are facing a lot in our culture right now because no matter how much we've evolved, there is so much that's centered around being the provider and having it together and knowing what you're supposed to do and taking action from that place. And our world is restructuring so rapidly that in some ways women have more of the tools to be flexible for that. But as a culture, we're needing to mother the masculine also inside of ourselves. That's a lot of the work that's happening right now for women is accessing that wounded masculine and healing him inside instead of projecting it out there. And for men to also be coming into new understandings of their value and worth that's inherent outside of how much money they make or how they provide for their families in that way. So my sense with Aries always, and the deeper understanding of how to work with Aries is that healthy Aries and healthy Mars and Aries has to do with understanding what is my clear yes? What is my clear no? Where does that live in my body? And how can I cultivate whatever practice works for me to practice with little things, making little decisions, and then growing it bigger and bigger of knowing what's my yes, what's my no that comes from just the, the, the deepest embodied part of who I am, the deepest wisdom that lives in me. And if we can make those practices of that clear yes, clear no, that is healthy masculine also inside of us. That's healthy Aries. That's this clear fire that we can move forward in. And, you know, I, I think with this, the Sagittarius South Node as well, we're just, we're just letting it go, letting go of a lot of bullshit, you know, I mean, excuse me, but, but it's just, you know, whatever is not true for us, and, and there's so many places, again, we can say, well, we've got to get rid of this idea that we're supposed to be here to be good people by other people's standards. That's not getting us where we need to go. It needs to come from a deeper place. And so, so with this Sagittarius South node moving into Gemini, part of what I'm just getting to with that is there is this level of genuineness and authenticity that's being called for, for each of us right now, and not the posturing and not the performance that we are trained into, but real true authenticity and genuineness 
And this, I think over the next six months, when we're really courageous, we're going to start speaking and we're going to start saying things that are going to rustle feathers because they're going to take us out of the box that other people have put us into, whether that's about race or whether that's about spirituality or that's, that's, that's about politics, whatever it is, we're going to need to start speaking out and speaking truthfully um, and living from that truthful place and letting other people's minds be blown. Because right now, the intersection points between these places where we've been falsely divided, we're actually coming closer, but we're being shown, we're being told that we're not. So I realize I'm all over the place with this. <laughs> but, um, but I really do think that um, there's something about this deep truth telling that is absolutely essential for us now. And it's going to be unique. It's going to be based on our experience. It's going to be based on nobody else has the wisdom we have. So every human being letting go of that, that BS and stepping into what your truth is and being courageous about it. And it's bigger than what other people say means to be a good person. It's, it's deeper than that. It's more resonant. It's wiser. It's wilder. It's more spontaneous. It comes from that clear yes, no. Um, there's something right now that's wanting to rise up in us that, that takes us far beyond the mind. And so, and that's again, what many of you have been speaking to. So that's my two Okay. Christopher, what do we have to look forward to between now and the end of the year, the most important transits and how to work with them? Well, what I find very intriguing when we go back and look at that solstice chart, as opposed to the, um, eclipse chart is, uh, you know, the quincunx energy, you know, with, with uh, the moon ruling uh, uh, the sun in that point, uh, 25 degrees Gemini, the quincunx energy to the Pluto-Jupiter. And then um, it's not rising. We can't work with the houses here, but Mars next to Neptune. Um, so you've got a quincunx energy to the uh, moon, and then you've got this Mars-moon square that's going on. And to me, this is setting the stage. Um, I'm very intrigued by Mars. I'm going to be talking about Mars, but here Mars is just so, it really grasps my attention um, because it makes me think of martyr, martyrdom. And martyrdom is something that um, you can hear Mars in the word martyr. Um, martyrdom is associated with, you know, long suffering and, 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 you know, you're, you know, in seventies, it actually became a very derogatory, uh, term, especially for women of like, you know, oh, you're taking on this pain and unnecessarily so, and why are you doing this? You're such a martyr, you know, and it was just really condescending and derogatory. And actually the roots of martyrdom goes back to the idea of witness, actually the root of the word the original meaning of the word is to witness. Um, and it means to bear testimony to faith. And it was in reference to the early Christian martyrs who would give up their lives uh, for, to, to, to bear witness to the presence of God in the world, you know. And when we think of, you know, the Jupiter and the Pluto, um, George Floyd is another image that I keep returning to, um, someone who did not ask to be a martyr at all, you know, he just wanted to enjoy, you know, his cigarettes and <laughs> that was it, you know, and then it goes terribly wrong, but it falls in this procession of martyrs or sacrifices that have gone on and it mirrors and it resonates so powerfully. And so the Mars next to the Neptune, this image has taken hold and 
it makes me think of Pluto and Jupiter, the two judges. You know, these are brother gods in mythology, but they're also the two judges. Pluto is the underworld, and so Pluto judges who's good and who's bad, and, you know, do you go to the Lucinian fields, or do you get thrown into the belching pits of Tartarus? You know, so Pluto is a just, is about justice. Jupiter is also justice, but Jupiter, um, being a sky god, when he judges the dead, it's usually the heroes, and what he does is uh, decide to lift someone out of their earth life and place them among the constellations as something bigger than life, as something to seek for guidance, you know. And it sort of makes me think of this story, this moment of George Floyd, who in his life is crumpled and maybe never even thought of these things, but yet has now been placed among the stars, has been made immortal, universal, something that really speaks to us imagistically and almost archetypally, you know, in such a, such a fantastic and powerful way. And so this idea of martyrdom, um, you know, not being self-inflicted, but bearing witness to, you know, going beyond a person's choice of bearing witness, but a person's life bears witness to, and then what we're seeing emulated not only in the streets of the United States of America, but in the streets all around the world, you know, the holding up of the cell phones, the bearing witness. Um, it's just an extraordinary, to me, um, idea and a very, very powerful symbol. And for me, a fresh way of looking at Mars. Mars is to suffer. You know, the whole notion of Mars is bound up in passion. And we think of passion as like, I can't live without you. I have these. No, passion comes from to suffer. And it was actually, the word was created in direct reference to the passion of Christ, the suffering on the cross um, and the agony of, of, of the night before and, and betrayal. So these are the things that are so caught up in the planet of Mars, which I often feel gets too much um, uh, uh, diminished by being given a gender association and, and no one really thinks of it twice, you know, but this idea of to suffer, not for what you believe in, but to suffer, to suffer pain. And then also this notion of to bear witness, to bring forth this pain and to ask for justice. Pluto and Jupiter are both the two planets of justice. And so we hear phrases like no justice, no peace, which is such a Mars, Pisces about to transition into Aries type of notion um, feeding off of this Jupiter and this uh, Pluto uh, energy. We also hear history will judge. You know, what, what's taking place now here in the moment, history will judge. Capricorn is history. It's not just the old fuddy-duddy sign. Capricorn was connected to the civilizations that predated civilization, the fallen civilizations, the ancient civilizations of Africa and of Egypt that had become um, rubble, you know, colonized. So, so that's actually the seeds of Capricorn. So with Pluto moving through, these things are coming forth and it's shifting, you know, what's going on with the world. So what I would ask you to do as we move forward. You know, we're, we're going to be thinking, of course, about the dialogue between government and force, uh, Mars versus Saturn, you know, and that um, 
you know, women just went through the Venus retrograde and we've got, you know, Karen and things like that that are like proliferating the, the internet, you know, um, and men are going to have their version, you know, just a quick gender thing when Mars goes there. But these are transsexual planets, you know, Venus is as powerful in a man as it is in a woman's chart. Mars is as powerful in a woman's chart as it is in a man's. But this idea of bearing witness, suffer, and pain, our relationship to pain, how it comes forward, um, are going to be things um, that are going to be very relevant. Here in the country, we had, in the United States of America, we had an extraordinary event take place in the last 10 days, which is the military you know, standing apart from the residing government, which is kind of like unheard of and taking, you know, the side of peaceful protesters, which is an extraordinary thing. So, so there are all these turnarounds that are taking place and these new fresh visions that are taking place and these invitations to come and join in this not discourse, but conversation, I, I think is, it's my preferred word. And it's something that I want us to sort of reflect, you know, how we're bearing witness in the suffering and the pain. Sometimes in our race to heal, we don't bear witness, you know. We don't see another suffering and pain because we're involved in healing this. And, and at times, pain can make us very self-absorbed. And I think that if we can embrace this idea of bearing witness, to pain and letting the pain remain unsolved. You know, if it can be witnessed, but it doesn't have to be solved. What's it saying? And what's it connect, getting you connected to? I, I, I think that that's something that we're very much gonna be, or, or how I would like to see uh, play out in, in, in the next six months. Very nice. Okay. And the last uh, astrologer to answer this question about the upcoming transits is Gemini Brett. So. What would you like to highlight for the next, the end of the year, the, the most important transits? My, my peers said it all. Um, you know, there's a thing that just kind of came in was the movement of Uranus and the outer planets move so fast when the sun comes to meet them and that's happened. And um, so people have been tracking, it's like, whoa, Uranus can move that fast. He's really cooking right now. And um, there's a shift coming actually during the, the full moon of this lunation, the, the July 4th penumbral lunar eclipse of Uranus into the second deacon of the sign of Taurus. And um, Gary Caton, who's a wonderful astrologer, was the guide for the inner circle a couple of lunations ago. And he spoke about the connection of the deacons with the minor arcana of the tarot. And they traditionally have planetary associations as well. So Uranus and Taurus, part of this Taurus thing is literally like revolutions on earth and how we do that. Um, and this shift from a Hellenistic perspective, though Uranus of course was not considered then, but it's a movement from the deacon of um, Mercury into that of the moon. And um, in the Tarot correspondence from the five of pentacles to the six, both of these things, I think, speak towards, and this is coming soon, like, an opt, like we should be optimistic about that. And for me, it really kind of dovetails on what Christopher was calling our attention to in regards to Pisces, Mars, currently, um, 
on what's known as the Dexter Square from the Gemini moon at the time of the solstice. And Pisces Mars um, was also receiving a square from Gemini Venus and the sun when they recently met on June 3rd. We're coming into a Cancer Mercury cycle. So in some senses, we see this kind of combining of, of mercurial mind energy and Cancer kind of lunar caring heart energy. But I think there's a really important shift right now for us to receive some clarity um, that there's been a lot of tension in regards to our confusion and frankly the way that mass media will purposefully confuse us from where i'm coming from and i think that that's all in the stars as well so i think one of the most important shifts is actually coming really soon and it's a clarity but i keep going back to the truth that i'm not going to receive clarity in the way that i'm used to doing it which is in the words and in the um, mind stuff like i keep trying to figure this out it's not going to happen it just drives me more and more mad so there's a really important eternal shift i know i'm experiencing and i also know that i'm more mental than most people in our community but not i'm not the only one here and astrology itself of course can be a very mental thing right if we try to figure this out with our heads and with our brains if we try to see the answer um, before we understand like the problem we're not going to have an experience of the problem itself. Now, conversely, like it could sound like I'm contradicting myself from what I said earlier. This is not about don't dream, right? That's the nature of this square, of the Gemini Pisces square, right? They have much in common. They really are both about spirit. They just do it in very different ways. Gemini is about seeking truth in, in the words and the you know, spells and, and the text and the scriptures and the stories and Pisces is about have a little or have a lot of faith. And there's nothing more important for us right now than going into that place of trust, like being engaged and being aware of our engagement and being engaged with our awareness, um, but also releasing this thing to find some some peace in faith, whatever that means to you. So there's a lot to say about the alignments of this year. I mean, I was making a joke a few years ago about, hasn't it funny that people keep calling me on to be on their podcast in 2017 or 2018 about the year 2020? Like what, what happened to be here now? But astrology has been looking at this time for decades actually. And we can see now for very good reason. I think it's helpful in some ways and it can soothe, like this is another thing right now of this quincunx of the cancer happening with Saturn and Aquarius. There's some challenges with the technological idea for how we solve this thing and the technocrats and that versus like the community way and the heart way to solve this thing. But there's also a bit of how can I belong to family if I'm a freak? And I think that's something that's been the exploration of the astrologer for many millennia <laughs> really i mean more so now than it used to be christopher could really tell us more about the history and when astrology has gone through different waves of kind of acceptance and rejection and you know but we know that astrology is coming back in a really powerful way right now and that more and more attuned 
And, you know, we never want to say, hey, shit's about to get crazy and see, we were right because we don't want to be right about things getting crazy. But I think it is also helpful for us to know that we're not crazy and for, and for us to stay true in an honorable way and not be afraid to share the things that do sound scary because if it's true and if it's aligning, like let's speak truth, let's speak about our fear. And so there's a lot of that in the air right now. And I think the more authentic we are, the more authentically people can come to this craft and to other spiritual traditions that have been burned at the stake and cast aside for so long. And, um, you know, I think so importantly right now, it's like, how can you be absolutely unique and freaky and individual and still know that that doesn't ostracize you from your soul family? That's what calls your family forth. Amanda, I'd like to tag team on that about two quick things coming up too. Go ahead, Sasha. I just feel inspired. I love all of it. It resonates so much. And I was just thinking what you were saying, Brett, about, you know, not just knowing with our minds. And there's such a fusion right now for mind, heart, and body because Venus and Gemini is this the synthesis of mind and heart because Gemini rules is ruled by Mercury and is very much you know, our mind and Venus is our heart. And we have Uranus going retrograde on August 15th, joining so many retrograde planets. And that turning is just reminding me, you know, that Uranus is the co-ruler of Aquarius. And we're in this field of the age of Aquarius, different theories about when it begins, but it's really, that's the revolutionary energy. And being in Taurus in the sign of Venus, the most slowed down fixed earth sign, it really points to that the revolution is in, it's in the embodiment, it's in the cellular knowing. And when we slow down and we embody in all of the things that, that you know, and Tammy was talking about the self-care and we're really taking care of our home and that has such potency to create the future, you know, to have a lot of ripples going in. So Uranus is going to be retrograde August 15th to January 14th, and that feels significant. And then, um, especially with the connection to the, the mind, heart, body really being, being c connected together as we move into these tumultuous times, because let's get real, it looks tumultuous. I mean, you know, Mars is going to be going retrograde September 9th. He's going to go into his home sign Aries at the end of this month, that energy could be very aggressive in the reality. And that's what I was talking about, like calibrating our heart now. And Stormy was talking about motivation and all of us are touching this in some way. And Linda was talking about compassion. I mean, it feels like we're, we're drawing back the bow with what is our, our root value. Venus is really about our values and it's really about it. So much of it comes from our own self-esteem, you know, of who we are and that if we're going to show up and be of service, it's, it's a responsibility to be in our own self-esteem and to esteem ourselves and to value ourselves, not in an egocentric way, but that when we're in shame about who we are, who our ancestors were, or, you know, you know, the, that the history like that doesn't empower us to really be in the, our what we can create in the future again to be acknowledging the suffering while 
really honoring who who we are and what we have to bring at this time. So that really came to me with the morning star Venus that if we're not in our own self-esteem, because my daughter said to me that she felt ashamed to be white because she's waking up to social injustice, you know, and I realize that's really in the field. This like we live in a culture of shame, blame, and judgment. That is the whole Capricorn culture. And so like, how do we pivot with this in a way that actually creates more harmony? And how do we bring that heart into this technological world that we're in? Increasingly, we're online. How do we feel each other when we're having these connections online? Honestly, I turned off the chat because there were some not so nice comments coming in and they really distracted me, you know, from like bringing my truth and bringing my wisdom um, into this moment. And I was just like, I got to be me and don't worry, the bird's okay. The bird bounced too. We're good. (laughs) Um, But that Mars and Aries all the way until January, and correct me, other astrologers, like 35 years since Mars has gone retrograde in his home sign Aries, you know, it's like, what are we going to do with that vital energy? Are we going to use it to, to really um, make those connections? Like what we're, the work we're doing now feels like it has a long trajectory all the way through the end of the year with what, how do we use our energy and how, how do we both connect, which is the feminine, which absolutely, Christopher, it's not gender-based. We all have the ability to connect. And then how do we go forth with that? That's the masculine. But we all need both of them. And last point, you know, I'll say, is just that um, I found it really interesting that, you know, Mars, the Mars cycle that we're in, it started September 2nd, 2019 in the sign of Libra, in the sign of the diplomat, but it's going retrograde in the sign of the warrior, you know? And so it's like, how do we bring our fierce fierceness into a diplomatic relationship? Also very interesting, the Venus cycle that we just started, October 26, she seated with the sun in Scorpio, but she rose in Libra, the sign of the diplomat, and that Venus cycle started on the tail end of the Me Too movement, which totally unearthed all the abuse of women, especially sexual abuse, Scorpio, and you know, brought a lot of powerful men out of their positions by all these women coming forth with what has been syst- a, a systemized oppression of a woman. And now the end of the Venus cycle, we're ending with this uprising around racial inequality. And so it's just so interesting that the they both Venus and Mars were in the sign of equality at the same time they crossed over and Mars is going to continue through in, in that, you know, cycle till October 6, 2021. So clearly there's something for, for us to learn here new about equality as we go, you know, into this age of Aquarius, the masculine and feminine within and how do we meet other self and other with with uh, an openness and a respect and a willingness to learn beyond what we know. So, thank you. Thank you so much. Okay, I'm going to do a little recap on that question, which was about the rest of the year and what to pay attention to. Um, Stormy talked about taking care of our home. How is your health? How is your body? Bringing information to bring things forward, bringing in information to bring things forward. So really focusing on getting ourself, our home in order. She talked about Chiron retrograde, Jupiter-Pluto conjunction, Mars and Aries, lots of different transits there to bring that message home. Tammy talked about Jupiter, Pluto, Mars, Aries, 
um, the importance of placing the oxygen mask on ourselves first. And then also what is my yes and what is my no and being clear about that letting go of bullshit from the past and bringing a um, deep truth telling to, to our reality. Christopher talked about Mars and this idea of martyrdom. And um, one of the most powerful ideas from that was bearing witness to the pain and suffering without needing to solve it. So bearing witness to the pain, which was um, a whole new concept on, on martyrdom. Brett was talking about the important shift coming soon um, and that it bringing clarity, but not through the mind. So, um, you know, not giving up the dream, but not expecting to get clarity through the same places we usually do, going into a place of trust and engaging our awareness. And then again, speaking truth. So this, this theme around speaking truth is coming up. And then Sasha is talking about a revolution in embodiment. So really getting into our bodies, slowing down. What is our root value as we're like taking the bow back in order to go forward, being really clear on what it is that we want to go forward with. Um, and how do we bring our heart into a technological world and really feel each other, bringing fierceness into diplomatic relationships. So lots of amazing things for us to be exploring over the Amanda, next six months or so. Yeah, go ahead, Brett. Could I add a piece to what Sasha was saying about Mars last retrograde 30 years ago? Um, just to confirm that's right. It was in 1988, Mars's last retrograde in um, Aries 32 years ago. And um, Venus and Mars have a 32 year dance. So it was the last time those energies, we could say like Ida and Pingala did what they're doing now. Um, and so in 87, as it was in 2019, they met in Virgo under the beams, right? This is a truth with planets when they get so close to the light, we become blind to their experience, which I think is a very important philosophical opening in and of itself. And importantly, you know, depending on how you work with these cycles, the way that I've come to is that this is a virgo aries cycle for mars and it's a gemini aries cycle for venus and so both of them are going to be tested in this way like we could call like warrior training like what is worth fighting for what is worth defending protecting but very importantly like what is worth pioneering and i think on the venus side like the gemini cycle like there's all these things what's it going to be says aries and on the mars side the virgo aries expression the way that i'm looking at the cycle now it's like spiritual warrior, right? So you don't just do these things on your yoga mat alone or at your altar alone, that we have to be involved. That Aries, you know, it is a sign. It's a cardinal sign. It's a cardinal direction. It is the East. It is new beginnings. And it is something that demands that we are involved in community, the magic of the so-called mundane world, like not just be in often our own spiritual practices and journeys. Thank you. Okay. So there's two more questions left and I want um, to give Jennifer and Linda the opportunity to answer either one of these, whichever one you'd like. The one is how, and we've talked about this a lot. I mean, we've, we've definitely covered this, but if there's anything else you'd want to add, how can we encourage a higher expression of this energy in light of the global climate? And then the other question is, when will this be over? <laughs> so Jennifer or Linda, if you would like to address either one of those. Go ahead, Linda. Just because I was going to just um, dovetail on what Gemini Brett just said, in that it is, this is really a golden opportunity 
um, with Aquarius energy for us to to join our energies with other people. And there's so many group or mass meditation offerings that are happening. And they and it's I mean I'm <laughs> I believe in the quantum field and that we can contribute to the energies and to get on and have thousands of people around the world all meditating together for the same thing. I believe, I mean, it's, it shows that the Schumann resonance, resonance actually goes up when this happens. So we are making a difference with our, our joint, our group intentions. So I'm just going to mention one thing. On Saturday, I'm doing something with the Stargate, and we're doing a solstice astrology Stargate combination. So, and we've had, well, the, they've been doing daily things, and they've had people from 52 different countries totally around the world that are joining in, you could feel that energy. It's like uniting the, the grid, you know, of consciousness. So I think that is a really big thing that everybody could be doing because we have access to that very easily. We so, do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll all be doing that together on Saturday as well. So everybody at this event right. is invited to the Saturday um, meditation and ceremony. It's, it's the same, leveraging that power of the group. Right. Definitely. And right. during really important astrological moments, mm-hmm. harnessing the power of those moments, it's, it's potent. Um, Jennifer? You know, to answer the question of what we could be doing to uh, lean into the productive aspects of these cycles, I mean, so much has been said, and there's one about to all the other amazing astrologers. You know, we're just in this massive foundation shifting transformation. And so it's really our personal, our personal responsibility to find stability within and to do as we've been taught through practices around Buddhism and or yoga, like the equanimity within and or even the Libra diplomat archetype to find that balance within so that we can be with the chaos uh, in, a, in a productive way. And I do think that we have a tremendous responsibility to each other to continue to unpack our personal biases and look at where and how we show up in relationship. And it's not easy, like that we all have blind spots. Um, And so to that point, like teachers, you know, um, maybe teachers you've never considered before, maybe teachers you you didn't even know existed before, but teachers don't do it alone. these are really huge, huge shifts. Um, and to just echo Stormy's point that we are now in this technological moment where everything's online. So it's easy to find these things. And then when will this end? I, you know, I, it's like, when will what end? <laughs> and what is end? You know, it's like, what, what are we ending? And, and I, I like to reframe the question as to what are we growing into? And what's the momentum we can build towards the future we really wish to create? Um, as we know, we're, you know, the year ends with this conjunction between Saturn and Uranus at zero degrees of Aquarius, which is pivotal. Um, but certainly we don't get into 2021 and all of our problems are resolved. Um, we will still have, you know, Saturn and Jupiter squaring Uranus as we go through Aquarius. Um, and so there's a lot. There's a lot here. And also all these transits are hitting our individual charts in individual ways. And we have our own spiritual journeys around how we are um, rising to the occasion of the cosmic curriculum. So I just almost say like the when is it over question is almost like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And the invitation is to really be with what is 
And what's happened this year with COVID, as no, no matter how messy it is, right? Like the, all of it, just to, to have the stamina to be with what is um, and really see it. Cause that's how uh, some, one of my friends was teaching me recently of the true meaning of karma. And it's almost, and I'm gonna do it a really bad rendition, but she was getting to the point that it's seeing something and not creating a reaction to it in a way that creates more karma. And that to me is like, oh, that's interesting because what we have to do is presence ourselves to what is and accept it. Um, and then do our inner work to work with that to the best of our ability where we can. And I may just leave it there. You all are so amazing. I know we're 21 minutes over our schedule and I just wanna thank each and every one of you for bringing so much to this discussion. If you resonate with the, the um, energy really and the, the wisdom and the type of guidance that these astrologers provide, this is what we get to experience month after month after month in the inner circle. So if you would like to join us for the inner circle, these will be your teachers for the next few months. Um, and you will also, Sasha has, was our teacher um, or is right now, but you will get a bonus uh, mastery class, her Venus cycle mastery class, if you join the inner circle during this open enrollment period. So you get a different mastery class from each of the astrologers. You get a new and a full moon forecast. You get live Q&A and chart reading demos, all kinds of amazing things that are part of your inner circle membership and an incredible community of astrology students. So you can join us now. Enrollment's open for two weeks. We would love to have you. You can check it out at astrologyhub.com slash inner circle to see if it's right for you. Um, but these are your teachers. And this is the kind of field that we get to be in all the time. And so it's a place where you can come to get inspired, where you can have a different dialogue than what's happening when you tune into other sources. Um, I was at yoga yesterday and, and we were talking about the solstice eclipse. My, my yoga teacher asked me and I started telling her some of the things the astrologers are saying, she's like, gosh, can you imagine if, if this was like on the mainstream news, if, if people were learning about this when they went in to tune into the news, I was like, well, yeah, because that's what we do. <laughs> that is what we do. It's not the mainstream, but it is what we do here at Astrology Hub and in the inner circle. So we would love to have you. Um, again, it's astrologyhub.com slash inner circle. And we're going to leave you with a beautiful song. And what I would love to do, if you can, in the chat, type in the, the takeaway or takeaways that you're taking from this time that we just shared together. Would love to hear your summaries. I gave a lot of my summaries, um, but would love to hear your summaries in the, in the little golden nuggets that you're taking with you as we embark upon this very auspicious solstice eclipse. Please join us on Saturday for the ceremony. It's going to be so powerful. Um, it'll be Gemini Brett, Tammy Brunk, and myself will be coming together for that ceremony and would love to have you there. Usually um, we'll, we'll be doing a guided meditation piece to it. There will be music. We always make it very um, multi-sensory. So please join. We'd love to have you. We'll have details sent to your, your email. Um, if, if you've signed up, if you haven't signed up, go to astrologyhub.com slash solstice so we can make sure and email you all the details for that ceremony as well. Okay. Thanks everybody. You're amazing. We had one, we, we, I had no idea that we would top out our capacity of this thing. We had a thousand people that were on within the first few minutes, which was our zoom capacity. So we had a bunch of other people trying to get on. I'm so sorry about that. Um, I saw that we were topped out at like 1,300, but then we had a bunch of people on, on Facebook as well. So 
Wow. <laughs> Thank you all for being here. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being a part of this this transition that we are all navigating together. And thank you for being a part of the consciousness that is looking to do this in the best way possible and looking for guidance and how to do this in the best way possible. We're so grateful for you. Thank you for being a part of our community. Can't wait to connect with you in many other places again soon.